Greetings, cyberspace, and welcome to the Double Density Podcast. This is episode 10 with your hosts, Brian and Angelo. So, Angelo, episode 10, double digits, double density. I'm sensing... We've made it. Sensing some kind of conspiracy theory here. Not until we get to 11. The, the symbols are out and above and around, right? That's what we talked about last time, right? With uh, 33 Mr. Uh, Hoagland. And also, 33 being the number of the devil. And Jesus. Oh, yeah, for sure. All of the above. Exactly. So I've exactly. prepared myself for this eventuality. I have um, done some yoga. I've done some breathing practices, all in the name of being able to stomach listening to you talk about your newest purchase, which you haven't talked about in about an hour and a half now. Um, so it's been yeah. the full week of, hey, Brian, did you know I ordered an iPad? And it shipped overnight. So uh, it's, uh, it's going to get here in about a week. It's currently in Hong Kong. It's, it's traveled the world further than I have. So in between a 1 and a 10, a 10 being Steve Jobs uh, in heaven, leaning down on you, giving you like double thumbs up, how excited are you? Yeah, pretty much a 9.5. I haven't had a new iPad in years. I had, I had the iPad 2, and then uh, I got the mini Gen 1, which was great. Still use it every day. Still used it today. But I think this new one's going to be quite the step up. What do you What do you plan on installing on it? I so I like to run a lot of stuff stock. I don't like installing too many apps. I think we talked about this. I'm a bit of a app hipster, but um, I'm definitely going to put in the uh, the the Google Docs and all that stuff because we use it for the podcast. I'll probably putting in GarageBand and iMovie. Uh, a good PDF reader because there's that'll be great to, for reading PDFs. If that's <laughs> exciting. Uh, Speaking of PDFs, we'll be we'll be getting to quite the PDF later on in the show in the paranormal. Oh yes, and that's why I mentioned it to to annotate them and everything. So you're pretty uh, excited. Yeah, I'm pretty excited. It's it's always fun to get a new tech purchase, right? Uh, like I, I'm I've grown out of the phase where I'm gonna keep refreshing it every few seconds to see if it's on its way because I know it's not gonna it's gonna take a while. Uh, estimated deliveries next week so uh, we'll see how long that takes that can change obviously but UPS is usually pretty accurate with their times uh, but it, it is fun getting a new device but it's also a bit of a pain you have to set it all up but I think in the last few years that's gotten a lot easier remember when you used to get a new cell phone and you'd have to do the whole uh, hey everybody I got a new cell phone can you email me all your phone numbers and stuff and then you have to enter everything manually Whereas now everything's just saved in the cloud for you. And uh, especially with a new iOS device, you just kind of uh, put in your iCloud information. And uh, most of the time, that aspect of iCloud works really, really well. I actually don't mind doing the whole cell phone thing because that way I actually get uh, to realize who's in my phone who I don't care about anymore. So it's really just a calling of people. It's, it's a prompt to get rid of the dead weight in my phone. I think it's just an excuse for you to be able to text to people, new phone, who this? So as we were talking about last episode, I'm actually uh, moved into a new setup here. It's slightly more dampened. It's uh, lovelier. It's quieter. If you'd like to take a look at our Twitter feed, I put up a picture uh, right before we started recording. So twitter.com slash double underscore density and hit us up 
take a look at the picture. Tell us what you think. Uh, we'd love to see fellow podcasters what your podcast setup looks like. So if you want to tweet at us, please go ahead. I feel like this is a, a better setup for me. It's more breathable. I have a bigger table. My cat's around to give me moral support. Yours is too, but not necessarily for moral support though, right? No, I just had to put a, a pillow barrier under my desk because she keeps attacking the wires. And I really don't need her chewing into my uh, any of my wires here, especially my actual power cord to the to the computer. That would really, really put a damper on things. So uh, is this the first pet you've had that's impeded your abilities to interact with technology? No, every single cat I've had has always been annoying one way or another. Our previous uh, cats would be pretty irritating with that type of stuff. And uh, we only had about a year without a cat in this house. And um, then we got this one. And she's usually pretty quiet. She seems to kind of get active when I'm at the computer and she wants my attention. But otherwise, she's usually pretty calm and relaxed and she doesn't really attack too many things. But uh, it seems like whenever I'm podcasting with you, she senses it and she just decides to come and annoy us. She knows that you're having fun, so therefore she wants to join in. She's reading your aura. I am um, in the picture that we'll have to definitely post in the show notes. I noticed you have a nice assortment of books. You're kind of like a a lawyer, but for UFOs. <laughs> that is that is definitely one way of describing it. Yeah, I have a bunch of uh, uh, yeah, like a, a a what's what of paranormal stuff. Like I have a Nostradamus book up. I have a ghost book up. I have a crop circle book up. Above that, there's a ton of uh, old paperback UFOs that I collect. I love finding cheap UFO books. I was in the States last year on vacation with my girlfriend, and in Chattanooga, uh, we came upon this used bookstore that was selling them for like a buck each. So I loaded up my suitcase filled with UFO books, to which she uh, was mildly but amusingly annoyed at my hobby, I guess would be the best way of putting it. And now they're all in her house. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. They're all in her house, and she can read them whenever she wants, which is never. You don't think she'll... She'll uh, actually be interested and sort of pick one up because of an amazing discussion we've had on the podcast she loves so much. So what I actually did is I bought a primer on conspiracy theories somewhere in this pile that I have to pull out, and I'm going to start leaving it around the apartment so maybe she gets the idea that she should pick it up and learn a little bit about, uh, you know, the JFK assassination, Roswell, uh, et cetera, et cetera. So maybe I'm hoping that she'll be able to pick up and read and understand a bit of what I'm going through every week. Well, she needs to keep up with your conversations, right, that you have with yourself? <laughs> yeah, the ones where I'm in the shower, I'm eating by myself, the ones I have with my cat at night where I'm discussing the ins and outs of uh, whether or not we live in a holographic universe. And uh, you also had some other interesting conversations this week uh, trying to get rid of some of your furniture from your move? Right, so as part of the moving process, so we're combining two households and so on, I was giving a, a bunch of free stuff on Kijiji, you know, so... And, and what's Kijiji for our, for our non-Canadian listeners? I, it's an online classified section. It's like Craigslist. Um, and I figured I was doing the uh, good deed of giving out free stuff, which was a disaster and a nightmare. And I was telling a friend last night, I'd rather let everything burn instead of trying to give out more free stuff. <laughs> like literally, that's how painful it was. Well, what what were some of the things that you encountered that made it so painful? <laughs> so I had three things to give out. So I had a small desk, I had a small bookcase, and I had a... Uh, a three-piece cabinet that you could um, sort of assemble uh, in any order of three. You know, it has a couple of doors and stuff. So the first guy, so apart from the people who actually showed up, I had a ton of no-shows or people who would email me and say, I'm available immediately. Here's my phone number. And when I text them, it, t- it took them five or six hours to get back to me when they're like, That's oh, awful. I'm immediately available to come get it. Yeah. So I've had similar experiences with uh, Kijiji in the last few months. Uh, 
I mentioned to you that we're getting rid of our, all our old baby stuff. And uh, the baby stuff was actually easy to get rid of. It's all the like video game stuff. Uh, those people are highly unreliable. I feel like they're also highly particular too. Yeah, did, did, did anybody have any weird uh, actual requests from the free stuff you were actually trying to give them? So uh, there were a couple of like reasonable follow-up emails. Some of them asked for the dimensions of the furniture, which makes sense. You know, you yes. want to know how big things are. Um, one person wanted to know what kind of wood grain the cabinet was made out of. I couldn't tell you, honestly. You, you don't know that off the top of your head? <laughs> and then uh, someone asked where the desk was made. I couldn't find a sticker. I don't Just know. Just say China. I should have, but I didn't. So the first guy shows up for the um, for the bookcase, and he looks at it and he goes, "Oh, it's smaller than it was in the picture." And I was like, "I," <laughs> he could have asked for dimensions or something. You know, it was, I guess it was my mistake of not putting them there. Uh, and he well, goes, "A picture uh, of a nice new iPad would have been great next to that for sure." To show the <laughs> dimensions. And so you know, he's like, "I'll take it anyways," as if it were like the biggest pain in the world to take this free thing away from me. So he's like, can you come help me um, put it up on my rack on the top of my Honda? And I'm like, absolutely. So we go out, I do it. And uh, I thank him. He thanks me and I leave. As I'm leaving, he goes, hey. And I turn around and he goes, I don't have to worry about bed bugs, do I? And like very accusatorily towards me as if like I were living in a den of sin and all of my stuff was in a hovel. And I accidentally decided to give away bed bug infested things. Bed bugs are the worst though. And that might have been a question I would have asked because... Uh, I don't travel often, but when I do travel, I don't want to see bed bugs. I absolutely do not want to see bed bugs. But on the other hand, is that a question you would ask before the man who's giving you the free bookcase helps you load it onto your car? No, I kind of would have maybe. No, yeah, that's not something you ask. If you if you have any doubts, you kind of just throw the thing out at that point. But it's it's not like it's a mattress. It's it's wood. It's not. They're not going to be like hanging out in there they can't well he was just like do i need to disinfect it twice was what he was saying like he that was his other statement after that and i was like no well, that's just rude and i was like you know what dude it was a free thing how i don't understand like i i'm not some kind of monster who's trying to infect your household through my infected bookcase that i'm just trying to get rid of the first guy out of three the second one was an older lady who uh signed her emails magenta rose so that should give you an idea of what i was dealing with older woman <laughs> kind of hippie-ish she comes in, takes a look at the desk, and she goes, mm, I don't know. I think I'm going to have to repaint it, and it's going to take some time, so I'm not going to take it. And I had made sure to post pictures that accurately depicted the furniture. It wasn't a surprise. It wasn't like, oh, it's a purple, not a blue or something. It was. You, you didn't post an, uh, an artistic black and white photo? No, I did not. And so she kind of hums and haws and leaves. And an hour later, I was out throwing some trash, and she was still in her car across, like, um, sort of uh adjacent to my apartment on her phone and then i guess as she saw me she hung up and then she quickly drove away (laughs) and 15 minutes later i looked out and she was double parked in front of my apartment building i guess waiting or maybe thinking about wanting to take the book uh, the the desk back now look she might be a government agent though because she may have noticed all the ufo books well, those were long gone. Like those had been packed away, right? All that remained in my current apartment were just a bunch of furniture and things that need to move. There's nothing that gave away my true intentions. Maybe she listens to the podcast, actually. If you uh, are maybe, yeah. Magenta Rose, hey, what's up? You should have taken the desk. She has a great name. I don't, I, I'm pretty sure it's not her real name, but yeah. And so Could be. the third person who showed up, uh, 
it was the guy's wife who had emailed me and she had said, oh, my husband Juan Hernandez will be by, just letting you know. <laughs> great name. So I said, you know, great, not a problem. And he was the best of the bunch. He showed up. He thanked me twice. We loaded the thing into his minivan super quickly. He left. And an hour later, uh, when I was back here at my new apartment, the wife emailed me to thank me. See, I love those interactions and I've had a lot of those on Kijiji. And I, <laughs> that's one of the nice things about the internet. I have not. I In the past, I was trying to sell a... Um, a box of Goosebumps books a while back. And uh, it was either... So a man had emailed me, and on the fourth or fifth follow-up, he goes, oh, you don't live in Winnipeg. Would you ship me the books? And when I receive them, I will pay you. See, the thing with Kijiji, though, is you specifically choose the area you want to be looking at. Exactly. And it was listed in the Montreal area, and I was very, very affronted by that. And then someone else offered me half the price then asked me to meet him at one of the out-of-the-way metros at 9.30 at night, which I responded to, no, I'm not doing that. Mm, yeah, that, that, that's perfect. It sh- that's I that's the right told, way to do things. I should have told him, hey, listen, it's past my bedtime. Can my dad meet you and see where that would have gone? Because <laughs> it was clear, like, is this man planning on jumping me for a bunch of like young adult horror books? That's really odd. It was, it was just a strange set of circumstances. So needless to say, I still have all of the Goosebumps books in my possession. Well, you can put them next to your uh, UFO books. I could, yeah. I could read them all one by one, and maybe I'll, I'll highlight them on an, uh, a future episode of Double Density. They're about, based on true stories, just about as much as those uh, UFO books. Uh, how dare you drag these UFO... Uh, how dare you drag the, the works of Jim Mars and Timothy Good and, uh, oh, uh, the Art Bell books, of course. Those are great. You know what else we should really talk about? What? Uh, I'm getting a new iPad. Are you actually getting an iPad? Like, did you order it? It's ordered. Has it been and shipped? It's shipping. Yeah, I got the cover already. Apple's weird. They sent me the cover like a week and a half before their the iPad had any chance of getting here. It's like there's some sort of weird reverse kidnapping where they're sending me my iPad piece by piece, and I have this giant cover I can't do anything with. How annoyed is your wife right now about the iPad thing? Do you talk to your family about your iPad? I've mentioned it a few times. Do you call like like iPad or like Apple product family meetings where you just, you sit them down, you let them know the haps? Only once a month. <laughs> the, 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 the discussion this month was, uh, do we get uh, Apple Care or not? And uh, I, I normally don't get Apple Care on devices. I think I've purchased Apple Care total of twice. Once for my iPhone 5S. And the other time for my iMac, the one I'm using to record this. And the only reason I got the one for the iMac is because in terms of how much the actual computer costs versus how much the Apple Care costs with the educational discount that I get, it was well worth it, especially since even though these iMacs don't usually break, if something does break, it's uh, 10 times the amount that you would pay for Apple Care. And I wasn't going to get it for the iPad because I remembered seeing that the iPads don't really cost that much to repair, but that's regular iPads. iPad Pros cost insane amounts to repair. I, um, I've added a link to our show notes. If you want to go take a look how much it costs in Canada to repair an iPad, uh, out of warranty repair, I, I think is over $500. Hold on a second, I'm pulling this up. Oh boy. Out of warranty is at the very least, the, the Pros starts at 500 ends at 800 Yeah. So, yeah, mine's the 800 actually, because it's the 12.9. And um, my nephew, his discount 
got me Apple Care for 85 bucks. So at $85, I think it's worth it in case, especially since it's not like my, my Mac doesn't go anywhere, right? It just sits on my desk. The iPad's going to be coming with me to work from time to time. And if I drop that, I don't want to be paying 800 bucks to repair the, the screen. Whereas on an iPhone, my iPhone 6S, I never got a, an Apple Care warranty on it. Because even if the screen breaks, I, I'm out about 150 bucks. See, I have, I have Apple Care on my SE, my iPhone SE, simply because I leave the house with it. Um, I got uh, two years worth of Apple Care on my Mac Mini um, like 11 years ago, and I didn't okay. get it on the laptop because I knew it, it was sturdy. And also, like as you were saying, it almost never goes anywhere. Um, so for my iMac, it made a lot of sense. Yeah, of course. But uh, for the for the iPhone, it, it it does make sense. I got it for my, like I said, my 5S. It made sense. I never ended up using it. Um, but what's nice about my iPhone 6S is there's uh, there was a small window there where uh, the early models that came out had a defect with the battery. I haven't noticed anything going wrong with the battery. But if something does go wrong, I have a, a repair program on there until the end of 2018. So what the plan is, is when I change this phone sometime next year, is to bring it in and just get the battery swapped out. So I'll have a new, essentially, 6S with a brand new battery. With a, so you're planning on using that as a burner phone? No, it'll be, it'll be my wife's new phone. Because I'm, I see, I see. I'm thinking that uh, the, the trend continues. The 5S might not get the next update. It's lasted pretty long already. It's, uh, it's, we're going on four years now with, uh, with it getting updates. So that's pretty good, uh, considering uh, most Android phones don't last a year without, with, by getting an update. Did you ever update your Android phone when you had one? Uh, yes. I can't remember from one operating system to the other, but uh, I want to say one of the ones is Nougat or something. Okay, that makes sense. I mean, I paid so little attention to it at the time that I don't... See, the thing is... Excuse me, I'm burping. This is disgustingly gross. Hold on. You should keep this in the show. I, I'll put it at the end. Yeah. <laughs> for all the times that we've talked about cats. Yeah. Uh, no, for me, I pay very little attention to software updates unless they affect me critically, I guess. Even um, new OS uh, updates. I'll peruse the notes, but a lot of the time it it has nothing to do with my day-to-day so i don't really especially care too much once after i've read it and digested what's going on well see the ios 11 uh coming up in the fall is a huge update for ipads so i'm pretty excited about that because it's going to make uh using uh the ipad uh, the one i'm getting i don't know if you mentioned that uh it's going to be uh, actually improving it significantly over ios 10 and uh, the iPhone improvements are okay, but I've learned my lesson. I don't really update day one. I usually update in that first week to make sure nobody's yeah, exactly. phones are getting bricked or anything. Same I've thing. I've been listening to a lot of shows where uh, people came back from WWC and they used their developer account to update to iOS 11 beta 1. And uh, oof, there's been some disasters on those iPads. So you, it's a it's a wait and see. Yeah, like you don't want to you don't want to mess with the the beta. So going back a second though, um, so you your phone get your wife gets a new phone. Is there like a a a, a phone hierarchy in your family? Like you get the newest one. Yeah, well, it just started, but yeah, pretty much that's what's going to happen. Uh, because we don't want to really be spending too much money on these phones. And the only reason I upgraded my 5s is because she really needed a new phone. She had a Samsung phone that uh, the battery pretty much melted. Uh, Samsung seems to have trouble with that. But her phone uh, really was no longer working, and we were wondering what was going on. And then we noticed it was bulging, and then we saw that the battery had kind of... It was one of the older ones where you could remove the battery. 
and it kind of was bulging and it had ruined the phone. So um, I was due for a new phone in terms of my contract was up. I could get one for a decent price. So I got the success. She took my 5S and uh, I don't see her ever switching away from an iPhone. She uses it quite a bit. She likes it a lot. Now, are you saying that because she thinks it? Or are you saying that because you were sort of uh, inflicting family rule on her? No, no, she's happy. She likes uh, she likes her Apple stuff as much as okay. I do. Of her own free will, she admits that the phone is okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She 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 had actually switched to Macs around the same time as me in uh, the early two thousands. Okay, I mean the same thing happened to my uh, to my girlfriend last year. She had an Android phone, kind of was okay with it. She got a really good deal for I think it was the, one of the iPhone fives. Loves it, can't live her life without it, can't see going back to an Android. Meanwhile, though, she doesn't want a, a Mac OS laptop. She's happy living the Lenovo life. Well, I think it's just a usability issue, right? So she's just used to Windows, whereas I, in school and at home, have had this for so long that it's second nature to me. So all the keyboard shortcuts and all of the yeah. all of those tips and tricks, I am well aware of, whereas for her, it's all new. And, it, you know, it can be daunting to switch over. It's like if I asked you to switch over to a really good Linux distro. Yeah, see that that I, I would eventually learn, but I, all the stuff would be kind of a bit above me at that point because I'm I'm used to Windows. I'm used to, and I'm I, I know Mac really well. Uh, I use Windows at work, but I still sometimes at work press the the wrong key to to cut and paste because I'm so used to where the placement of the command key is on the on the Mac. And do you chuckle to yourself? I picture you kind of laughing to yourself, like, "Oh, this inferior Windows machine! If only you knew." And then I flip the keyboard. <laughs> much to the consternation of your coworkers who probably have to listen to you talk about podcasts all day and, and yeah I just remind myself have you mentioned to anyone in your area that you're getting a new ipad yes actually i had a, a long discussion with one of our uh one of our mutual friends in the office and uh he's getting one too so there are you gonna put a sign up on your door that i got a new ipad yeah i'm gonna hang the box up on my door are you taking the day off for the ipad so funny thing uh it's not a no i so next so so look next week is the week where my daughter's finished school but my wife is still working so my wife works at the school my daughter goes to she teaches grade one there and uh the teachers stay a week longer than the students so on tuesday i'll be home with my daughter and the ipad is arriving on tuesday so that's my story and i'm sticking to it (laughs) It's not like we had any other options. Ladies and gentlemen, this has been episode 10 of Angelo's new iPad. Tune in next week when he finally gets the iPad in his hands. And we have to listen to it for, what, another, hmm, I'd say, month and a half very easily. So, look, if you have a problem with discussions of iPads, please send all messages and tweets and all that to our Twitter account, which Brian will mention numerous times throughout this recording. Reach us on Twitter, double underscore density. If you want to reach us on Facebook, facebook.com slash double density podcast. It's the same thing on Instagram, double density podcast. And we'll make sure to put up a picture of Angelo's new iPad when he gets it. And we were thinking about doing a live unboxing uh, podcast, but we'll see. We'll see. It could be funny. It could be disastrous. I don't know about that. It might just be five minutes of you screaming like a fangirl. So, you know, it could be fun. I'm going to be very subdued when I get it. I'll just slowly install the apps and take my time with it. I might not even use it the first few hours I get it. I might have other better things to do. Either way, tune in to the Double Density Podcast to see the story unfold. Double Density. Welcome back to the Double Density Podcast. And Angela, as you know, there is no shortage of strange conspiracy culture in our modern times, right? So uh, 
you and I were just reading an article by Adrian LaFrance out of the Atlantic Monthly called The Normalization of Conspiracy Culture. And in it, she uh, uses the framework of Alex Jones's recent appearance on Megyn Kelly's show um, as sort of a framework to work through why conspiracy theories and conspiracy culture is so big now, right? Yeah, and they've all, it's always been around, and the article goes into that. It's just that right now, uh, there's a certain person who gets a lot of airtime that is a proponent of conspiracy theories. He has been for many years, and now he's uh, the leader of a country. And uh, Alex Jones is uh, one of the people that he's always uh, been associated with, and he got to be on TV with Megyn Kelly, who's uh, had her own dealings with uh, the current president. And I, I'm not sure if he was the reason she left Fox, or if that he just that whole thing with her made her decide to leave. But she, uh, she's on NBC now, right, uh, Brian? She is on NBC on Sunday nights, if I am not incorrect. And so uh, recently. Alex Jones, uh, a 9-11 and uh, Boston Marathon. Well, he's in everything. Like, Yeah, he thinks that both 9-11 and the Boston Marathon bombings were um, false flag operations by the U.S. government. He thinks Sandy Hook was the same thing. That's the worst one. That Of everything he does, I think that's one of the worst things. And also, I mean, uh, as we covered in a prior broadcast, right, he's been at this since the 90s. It's not it's nothing new. But what I think is weird is that he rails against the mainstream media over and over again and then appears on a mainstream media show, not even a cable show, but a basic, you know, the one of the few over the air channels that you can still get if you have a digital antenna. And uh, yeah, she has a, a wide audience in theory because of her reach, right? The thing is that wide audience was not interested in Alex Jones because apparently that broadcast was beat out by an America's Funniest Home Videos rerun. Which is, I don't know what to say about that. Should we say good? Because nobody's paying attention to Alex Jones and that's what we need to do because he thrives on attention and that's how he uh, gets so many people to believe the garbage he believes in. The problem is is that those people are going to believe him anyway. Well, that's the thing, right? And we talk about this kind of thing too, where you double down on your set of beliefs as they're presented to you. And, you know, you take in things that, um, you know, angles that you agree with and facts that you believe in and use that to sort of uh, further your own belief system without actually reasonably paying attention to anything that goes on across the aisle. Yeah. And the thing is, is we're, we're I don't know if we're a little more sheltered from it here in Canada. Do you find we're, we're a bit different with the way we, we treat our government and the way we uh, feel about it, where we, we feel less controlled by it? I'm, I'm not sure if that's necessarily the case, but uh, I don't get the vibe of people wanting to overthrow uh, the government in any way here. I feel that we uh, are a slightly, we have a, a modicum more respect for our elected officials here in Canada than we do in the States. Yeah, and uh, we don't want to get too political here. We're not very, I'm not, I'm really not politically minded at all, actually. Uh, and it's just more in the context of the conspiracies and stuff and how those are mainly political in a lot, in a lot of ways, right? I would also like to point out that I think this is the first time that a paranormal podcast has gone down the political rabbit hole. Usually it's vice versa. You think? You, yeah, usually it's people talking about politics and then get sidelined by people like Alex Jones and David Icke. And, That's true. Uh, you know, things like that. Um, so this article has a great summation about how conspiracy theory culture exists and thrives. And I do think that, you know... Uh, you can never be sure of what you hear anymore a lot of the time. So I, pe I feel like people... Um, 
trusts whatever they read first as as law, basically, and then anything else sort of discredits that law. And so they're unwilling to put in the hard work and the research, as we've talked about before on the podcast, in order to be able to explore and sort of find out as many facets of an angle or a story or a belief as possible. Yeah, and it, and you see that a lot, especially on Facebook, and I, I come back to how much I dislike Facebook a lot, but you see it on both sides, even when, even though I don't uh, agree with uh, a lot of Trump's policies, there were a lot of things going on on Facebook and uh, attributing quotes to him that had nothing to do with anything he'd ever said, and I would call people on it, and they would get mad at me and call me a Trump supporter, which I, I wasn't, and I, I am not, but it's still, it's funny how when somebody like myself who likes to look at facts, I get in trouble with both sides of the argument a lot of times uh, when it comes to a lot of different things, like uh, things like organic versus GMO or climate change or things like that. Uh, Usually I fall in the middle, which is where usually the facts are. I kind of go with the facts. And so I'll have um, environmentalists uh, after me sometimes and, uh, people who think climate change isn't real. So what you're saying is that you're not a proponent of Pizzagate? No, no. I don't think that's a, that's a real thing, right? <laughs> well, in some people's <laughs> minds it is. One of the more interesting facets of the article actually was the uh, 1995 Stanford University psychology um, survey, which surveyed people uh, before and after they'd seen Oliver Stone's JFK uh, movie oh, yeah. about their willingness to vote or volunteer stuff. And it turns out the majority of people who were coming out says more people who were leaving the movie were less inclined to get politically active or believe um, in elected officials. It's it's so interesting how that something, just a, a couple of hours of watching something could completely change your mind on something else. You're speaking to a generation that wants to lose change though, right? So keep that in mind too. Yeah, loose change. I totally when I first saw it, I was like, "Wow, this this is this is real," and then I realized how dumb it was. And then you spent. I mean, I feel like we're just retreading our greatest hits of the first nine episodes so far here, which I'm fine with. Well, that's what episodes ten's for. And now another clip. <laughs> we should have pretended that we'd lost electricity and that we were just doing a clip show instead of doing this. <laughs> I think we would. We so one of the, the just on a quick sidetrack here. We we've been gaining. A steady amount of listeners week by week and it's been making us really happy so whoever is listening to us um thank you and uh if you want give us some feedback let us know what you like what you don't like what you want us to talk about uh it makes us happy to to interact with people it's a lot of fun yeah please let us know uh, how you feel about uh angela's ipad purchases the fact that i own a lot of uh ufo related books if you want to send me ufo related books i'd love that um, I would never say no to for UFO book. Let's be honest here. But uh, getting back to the article, uh, I I once had an English prof in university, and he was talking about how um, when times are tough, people turn to the unknown or turn to things that they can't um, easily explain away um, as a weird source of like um, letting go almost. So it explains why people enjoyed things like uh, the Twilight movies, for example, 10 years ago, because the economic downturn made people fearful and they could take that fear and invest it into something um, that was quote unquote safe. Right. And I feel like it's sort of the same thing with conspiracy theories. Like there's a lot going on in this world, unfortunately, that um, creates fear amongst ourselves. And I feel like a lot of the time, uh, investing that fear into something like the conspiracy theory is a great way in which to create an ordered universe for people. Well, especially the harmless conspiracy theories that don't really hurt anybody at this point, especially ones going back and looking at 
things that were awful when they happened, but now looking back on them and you try to explain them in other ways, you're not hurting anybody except maybe people that completely disagree with you. You might be hurting their feelings, but there's no danger in you thinking a certain way about a specific event like the Kennedy assassination. If you think uh, it wasn't uh, Lee Harvey Oswald that did it and it was some sort of other conspiracy, that's not really hurting anybody. The ones that bother me are the ones that do hurt people right now. Anybody that's anti-vaccine or or uh, the whole climate change thing that people don't actually look at the science and look at facts, that really bothers me. So what you're saying is that you don't believe that HARP is actually controlling our weather. I can't comment on that. Speaking of things you can't comment on, uh, the UFO community at large recently had a little bit of a ripple effect going on as um, some recently... Um, unearthed new MJ-12 documents uh, were put out there. So I'm going to give a quick primer about what the uh, MJ-12 project was, and then we'll get into this um, uh, new set of documents. Um, so MJ-12 um, were eight pages on microfiche that appeared in 1984, preparing to be part of Operation Majestic 12. So Majestic 12 was created in the 50s by then-President Harry Truman in order to investigate the Roswell incident. So um Two guys, Bill Moore and Jamie Shindera, received this microfiche, these eight pages, and uh, quickly uh, made copies of it and got it out into the UFO community at large. So uh, I use this term uh, very loosely, but bastions of truth such as Linda Moulton Howe and Stanton Friedman believe the original documents to be authentic, right? So these eight pages. So that happened in the mid-80s. because, uh, And coincidentally enough, strangely enough, it also happened at a time where a lot of ufologists believed that there was some kind of cover-up uh, involved in the Roswell um, crash, right? So it, these documents just happened to appear in the midst of this grand debate of whether or not the government was hiding something. And so, you know, throughout the 90s, the 2000s, and the 2010s, um, more documents of uh, questionable authenticity have trickled out, right? So now we come to a couple of weeks ago, um, Heather Wade, who is the host of Midnight in the Desert, who took it over from Art Bell at the end of 2015 when Art... Uh, had some shots fired at his house and then quit because he claimed that he had a stalker, which is a bit of a strange narrative, all things considered. But so she uh, received these documents. Um, so there are two dumps, and one of them is 40 pages in total, and that's available on the Midnight in the Desert website, and we'll link to that. So um, it details both the Roswell as well as the Aztec New Mexico. Uh, crash of uh, 1948 per Roswell or, or as it pertains to Roswell. So they captured seven flying discs and 27 dead aliens. And then uh, my favorite part, which I want you to read after this, I want everyone to go read this is section D of the document. It totals seven pages and it's an, it, it's um, a compendium or best of, of interviews between um, staff at the air force base and a, uh, an alien that they captured as part of the Aztec New Mexico crash. So this happened, these interviews happened during the 11th month span from April, 1948 to April, 1949. And so apparently this is my fair part. I wrote this down. So typical exchange question, why are you here? Answer specifically to bring you these children and we like trees and <laughs> the tree thing gets me. So the thing with that is that the EBE sort of talks like an old timey villain. Like it's a very weird um, uh, compendium or best of in that it reads honestly like it's banter for a very witty stage play. 
And that's probably what it is. It's just, it's all made up. Right. So, um, I mean, Kevin Randall, who's written a number of books about uh, the Roswell incident on his blog, which we'll link to, uh, goes into a lot of why he thinks these doc- this new batch of documents is fake. And I definitely agree with him. Um, so things like different timestamps and uh, uh, the way in which uh, the classification is handled. There's a lot of these like weird questions as to uh, why they decided to use these things. Right. So um yeah, like the dating nomenclature, the classification designation, um, the different ways in which these things are formatted. So he uh, appeared on Midnight in the Desert. And uh, so these documents were obtained by Heather via PDF. So these are a copy of a copy. She uh, is aware of the originator, but the originator has passed and these documents were handed to her. They were ex-military type people, apparently. Um, so, you know, even just the chain of custody in terms of these documents is questionable and hands. So once again, a new set of documents, not much here. And it's also the 70th anniversary of the Roswell incident coming up. Perfect timing. And so a lot of people in the ufology community have suggested that perhaps this is a little too on the nose and maybe meant to drum up some attention uh, for the upcoming. Uh, there's, a, there's also, a, I'm not sure what it is, if it's a convention or a talk or a conference is happening around the 70th, the 70th anniversary too. So that is something to keep in mind. What I've always found interesting about the Roswell thing is that nobody really talked about it for so long. And then what, what, what spurred the, um, all the action on it in the early 80s? There was a book, right? Well, I mean, there were several books. So, I mean, um, what had happened to is that uh, David Good, who did Above Top Secret, was the first two... Um, uh, sorry, Timothy Good, not David Good. Timothy Good's Above Top Secret comes out in the late 80s and has all of these um, pages that are purported to be from the MJ-12 documents there, right? So that kind of is the first place it appears and then it goes wide. It's, it's just that I remember reading... The, the Roswell one was one of the first stories that got me into UFOs. My, I think my sister had bought me a book once about the the Roswell. I was all as a kid, I was always interested in the unknown and all that stuff. I had uh, one of my favorite books I had was the Great Mysteries of Canada. I have no idea where that book went. It must be somewhere in my parents' house. I have to find it and uh, take a picture so everybody could see what it looked like. A lot of stuff about bo- uh, Bigfoot and uh, some UFO things. There's a, f- a few really good Canadian UFO cases that maybe we should get into one of these days. The thing with with Roswell, what's always been so intriguing is that it's so plausible in a way i think also the fact that the narrative the official government narrative has changed a few times since the original crash kind of lends credence to um some of the lore surrounding the roswell incident because of the fact that the official word has just been you know balloons and then you know space debris etc cetera, etc cetera. well the interesting thing was is that when it first the first thing out of the from the government was that it was a flying saucer they had finally caught this newly coined phrase by uh, Kenneth Arnold, right? Uh, he was the, the first person to... Well, he didn't coin the, fla- uh, the phrase flying saucer. What I believe he said is that they, there were nine things that he saw as he was flying his plane that looked like they skipped like saucers on a lake or something like that. And then uh, some reporter coined the term flying saucer, if I'm not mistaken. Well, it was flying disks. Flying disks, okay. Yeah, so... Uh, um... And then somebody said... Yeah, it went to Flying Saucer, but... The newspaper title is Nine Flying Discs Encountered by B-17. Um, so that was an ABC um, uh, program that I put in there, and they're quoting Kenneth Arnold. So he, he talked about that, and then the crash in Roswell, where they, they said they had captured one, completely 
uh, invigorated the imagination of people. So people started seeing these things everywhere. But the problem is, is that after they said they had caught one, the next day they're like, oh, no, sorry, it's just a weather balloon. But I think it's... The thing is, though, the whole Project Mogul thing, if you look at it that way, sort of does make sense because maybe they were trying to cover up the fact that this was an actually experimental balloon that they were using. I think it was to detect nuclear blasts or something like that. Yeah. And so basically it was sound waves trying to... um, They were high-altitude balloons uh, using sound waves to detect Soviet atomic uh, bomb tests. It's kind of plausible that they... they Somebody without thinking too too quickly uh, said that instead of saying, "Well, we can't say it's a top secret balloon," let's just say it's a flying saucer, which was really dumb because that really got everybody's imagination going. If they would have just s- stuck with the original thing of, "Oh, it's a weather balloon," then I think the whole UFO uh, field would be very different these days. I mean, it's one of its largest myths, right? And it's a, it's a great story. I mean, do you remember the the Roswell slides from a couple of years ago that turned out to be fake too? That whole disaster? Yeah, that was a joke. Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, uh, trying to present an alien as a mummified child's body. Uh, great move, guys. Uh, great move. And I don't think there's any uh, serious ufologist that actually bought into the Roswell slides. Everybody that bought into those is the same type of people that would have bought into our favorite uh, early uh, cam found oh. footage video. I thought you were going to say uh, that four-letter word that we keep promising to cover but never do. iPads? Rods. Oh. By the way, next week, an all-new special all about rods. Rods, fact or fiction. Stay tuned here on Double Density for more. But going back to what you were saying before, I think that what you were describing was disinformation, government disinformation, which is a favorite... Uh, line for ufologists to use when they cannot explain something or they feel as though they're being deceived by they, you know. And they have been covering this up for so many years at this point. In the 90s, we we knew that in 10 years, in the 2000s, it would, there would be disclosure. And then in 2000s, oh, next decade, they're gonna, there's going to be disclosures. And here we are closing in on the second decade of the, the 21st century. And there's been no disclosure because... Here's a secret, Brian. I don't think there's much to disclose. Okay, well, firstly, make sure that Stephen Bassett doesn't hear you because he is the man when it comes to disclosure. He also is the man when it comes to talking about these new MJ-12 documents. He also... So the strange or wondrous thing is a lot of the most prominent people... So uh, Stephen Bassett, um, Nick Redfern, as well as Kevin Randall have come out and said, uh, we're pretty sure these are fake documents. Wait, Stephen Bassett said that? Are you sure? Yeah, if you go, if you look um, in Kevin Randall's blog, he actually says he had a conversation with Stephen Bassett, and Stephen Bassett had said that he believes these to be either disinformation or largely fake documents. I think Stanton Friedman doesn't think they're real either. He doesn't, but he's more on the fence because of the whole thing of the first batch of documents. He staunchly believed that they were either true or they were. My favorite thing, though, is that he believes they were either true or there were elements of truth contained within the documents. This thing with Saturn Friedman, I actually respect him quite a bit. He's not an idiot. He's a smart guy, but he's he's really fixated on these MJ-12 and this whole cosmic water gate. Would you like to go and visit him in the Maritimes? He seems like a genuinely nice guy. I feel like I'd have, I'd have a beer with him. I'd have a, a, yeah, a glass I, of water with him. Every time I've heard him in an interview, uh, regardless of the fact that I disagree with him on a few things, 
he seems like such a nice, pleasant person. I would not have anything bad to say about him. He's a great guy. He also, um, in 2015, had a bunch... Uh, he debated Flat Earth, um, obviously uh, <laughs> using uh, science and uh, truth. And he is a scientist. He has, I think he has a, he has a master's degree in, in physics. I, I, know he has a, I know he has some kind of yeah, actual credentials. He has, an advanced, yeah, he, he has a few advanced degrees. He's not an idiot. Um, I, I think he believes a few dubious things that I, I don't believe, but he's, uh, at least he, he provides his points in, in good ways, and I think he has good relationships with the, with the skeptics uh, like us that uh, it's all in good fun in many cases. I agree with you. I definitely, and once again, like there is a multiplicity of belief systems out there, especially when it comes to the paranormal, so things like that. Um, you know, it is fun to disagree, but once again, it's one of these conspiracy theories that doesn't really affect your day-to-day like an anti-vaxxer would. No, so it's it's a little more um, safe, I guess the best you, uh, word to use would be um, in terms of uh, being able to debate it without feeling that there are real-world consequences. Unfortunately, some people believe uh, very wrongly that, you know, uh, this is a life or death kind of thing to talk about. So, you know, I'm kind of staying out of that, but taking a step back to, um, I mean, uh, Art Bell has stepped away uh, for a year and a half now from his show. Um, and Heather Wade is no, there's no secret that she isn't Art Bell. No one is, but she isn't the best uh, radio host, um, you know, just I'm speaking from personal experience in terms of listening. And I feel like uh, anytime you uh, need a bump in popularity or something like there's something like this to sort of use to your advantage, right? Well, look, we're, we're here. We are discussing it on a podcast that so many people listen to and we'll go out and seek out Heather Wade and see what she's all about. And we invite these people to, and then when they turn her off early, we invite them to come back to our podcast and listen to us talk about these things instead, right? Yeah, because we're a lot of fun. We're fun, guys. And the next time you listen to this show, I'll probably have a new iPad. Double Density. Welcome back here to the Double Density Podcast and switching gears ever so slightly, but not really. Angelo, uh, you provided me with a link I hadn't seen in a while, which is that the FBI in the States, so the Federal Bureau of Investigation, actually has a vault of uh, freedom of information requests uh, uh, pertaining to unexplained phenomenon, which I think is hilarious. And also uh, pertaining to our show, they actually mention uh, MJ-12, Majestic-12, so... Uh, a couple of FBI offices received um, memos about Operation MJ-12 and led an investigation and the Air Force deemed it to be fake. And it's funny, if you actually go to the vault.fbi.gov website, and we'll link to it in the show notes, and you start to go through uh, the pages, um, they're actually written on in large black lettering, like someone had sat down the Sharpie and it says bogus, page after page. Yeah, I saw it, loved it. Uh, I So I came across this because... I knew you know, knew a lot more than I did about the MJ-12 document, so I was doing a bit of research when, uh, when I knew you'd be talking about this. And I thought this page was a lot of fun. There's a few things that uh, we've actually talked about on the show, like uh, the Roswell UFO. We've mentioned animal mutilation. We've mentioned UFOs, Project Blue Book, um, ESP, which is, uh, would be something fun to talk about because I know you have thoughts on remote viewing. And, well, uh, I have thoughts uh, and I have ideas of things I would like to do involving uh, remote viewing. So there we go. We can definitely talk about that one day. Um, maybe after we talk about rods. 
well, we will be talking about rods in a very uh, brief, uh, perhaps even next week amount of time. But uh, just very quickly, if you go ahead and open up vault.fbi.gov, apart from unexplained phenomenon, one of my favorite things is there is a section on the right called pop culture. And so I don't know if you know this, but the FBI investigated the song uh, Louie Louie by the Kingsmen in the 60s uh, because no one understood what they were saying and uh, they were scared that the lyrics were obscene. Oh, yeah, look at that. 06, 07, 11. They, uh, I guess it was uh, released for us to look at, uh, look at it. Hey, look, and Steve, Steve Jobs is there too. It is a fascinating read, the Louis Louis thing. It's I think the the PDF from correctly is about a hundred pages. It is so much fun to read because it's so ridiculous. And it also shows you how far we've come um as a culture in terms of what we allow uh to be disseminated on our airwaves free of charge. But well, I'm I'm just interested in that they have a whole thing on Steve Jobs. <laughs> and now I've lost you. Great. Perfect. Yeah, I have to go take a look at that. So let's just take we'll take a break here. We'll come back after you've done your Steve Jobsing and we'll say goodbye to the folks. Does that work for you? No, it's fine. I'll, I'll take a look at it once I get my iPad created by Steve Jobs in a way. Like I said, he's probably looking down at you with his thumbs up, hoping that you get that iPad a lot more quickly than uh, the forecasted date. So from iPads to Roswell to talking to aliens who like trees, this has been episode 10 of the Double Density Podcast. Angelo, do you have anything you'd like to add before the end of the episode? Because I know you do. So I'll um, be talking about my iPad next week. I'll have to get a chance to use it and see how great it is. And Brian's going to do some more research on rods so that we can discuss that. And he'll send me some videos of them so I can look at them on my really cool iPad. And I'm sure everybody's sick of hearing me talk about the iPad, but uh, I'll talk about it next week. Great. So this has been episode 10 of the Double Density Podcast. Tune in next week as we talk about GMOs. Should we eat that five-pound strawberry or not? iPad. I mean, see ya. Ah. <sighs>